Welcome to For Life Podcast. I am your host, Kevin with an A, and my special guest today is the one and only Willie Wimbry and his lovely wife, Catherine. Willie is an elementary school principal for the Mansfield Independent School District. Willie studied at the University of Texas in Arlington and Texas Wesleyan University in Fort Worth, Texas, a.k.a. Funky Town. What? <laughs> Catherine is a counselor. She studied at the University of Texas in Arlington and Dallas Baptist, where she got her math. Her math. Ah! And that is legend. The one and only. <laughs> also, Willie attended Trimble Tech High School, but we won't hold that against him. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Mr. Willie. Yes, sir. Being a principal is an important job because I think it, you know, you're a big influence on our youth. I think that's very important. What made you want to be a principal? How did that all start? <clears throat> well, when, um, when I was in high school, I was really involved in uh, ministry, in the church ministry. And I was thinking about what kind of job can I get to uh, be in kids' real lives. Uh, and I thought, hey, I can be a school teacher. I was really good in art also. So I wanted to become an art teacher. And I did that. I became an art teacher at the same middle school I went to, uh, at Forest Oak Middle School in Fort Worth ISD. And that gave me an opportunity to be in a very, very rough inner city area and be there for a lot, lot of kids. Most of the kids were, were Blacks and Hispanics. And um, the boys were really getting into gang activity during that time. That was in the late 90s. And in Fort Worth, uh, gangs were, were pretty, pretty prominent, especially with the young teenagers. So I was right there with them, and, and I, I got exactly what I thought I would get. I'd, I'd be there as a male role model of color for some of the most difficult teenage boys to deal with. And I saw immediate responses. Um, but after working for a couple of years, I was getting involved, not just in my class, but I was helping other teachers with their classes, the classroom management, and motivating students to, to be at school and to, to behave themselves at school. And I thought, hey, I could probably do this as an assistant principal. So, you know, I continued on. And I feel like what I'm doing now uh, is still the same thing. I'm, I'm involved in schools, public schools, being there for elementary kids now. Um, I'm a principal, and I just love being our, but now it's not just with student discipline and helping them enjoy school and behave right in school, but also get an opportunity to help, help teachers, help parents, and help the whole school uh, feel a sense of unity, feel a sense of worth, and know that when they come to school, it's not just coming for education, it's coming to do life together. Uh, my, my campus is known, I, actually, for being a very friendly a very welcoming, a very family-like feel campus. And I hope it stays that way even after I'm long gone. Whoa, that was a good one. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's beautiful, man. <laughs> I like that. Being a prince, I never could imagine, I don't guess, <laughs> being a principal, but I've always had good, you know, conversations and good relationship with the principal that I had in school, which was in 1980s. I remember the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, she remembers her her DOB. Yes. <laughs> Date of birth. Exactly. Eighty one, right here. Oh my goodness, we're so old. So you a cool principal? What yeah. kind of principal are you? The kind of American principal. Because <laughs> I know your daddy; he's a disciplinarian. Ooh. Yeah. You're not that. Yeah. Kind. Um, yeah, I'm very stern when I when I want kids to when I want kids or parents or or teachers to you know be respectful. That that's my pet peeve is uh, the opposite of respect. When anybody's being disrespectful. I have to shut it down, um, and I do it respectfully. Uh, unlike my dad, <laughs> I, don't, I don't forcefully make anybody do anything or yeah. win their respect. I honestly believe that nobody in this world has to earn my respect. It's my choice. Um, I think when somebody thinks that somebody else has to earn their respect, they are putting that other person's abilities above theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're qualifying that person for something that disqualifying themselves for. Now, I do I, I do not ever, 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 ever think somebody's going to respect me more than I'm going to respect them. So how I deal with people, that, that same principle comes out when I deal with people during conflict um, through, um, you know, when there's arguments going on or people saying the wrong language or people being disobedient. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're kids or adults. I talk to them very respectfully, uh, and sometimes that respect doesn't work immediately, but eventually works. Now, I will raise my voice. Um, I will tell, I have to actually tell people I'm mad because they don't understand I'm mad sometimes. I say, hey, I'm mad right now. I say, I'm mad right now. They get real silent. I say, I'm mad because you just, and I tell them exactly what they did. I'm not really good at showing people that I'm really upset with them, I have to tell them. And then I have to tell them why. And it works. It works for kids, it works for adults, it works for educated people, uneducated people, uh, because I'm showing them I'm gonna be the mature one in this conversation and you will respect me. So I don't give a lot of punishments out or consequences out. I just correct people really well the first time. And and that seems to be my success. The ones who have to get punishments and consequences uh, they usually walk out of my office saying thank you because <laughs> they realize I tell them this could be a lot worse than what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. And they and I tell them I have mercy on you anyway. And when they usually leave, uh, whether again, if it's a student, parent or a teacher, they they clearly understand what they did. That was um, uh, what do I say? I said unacceptable. They understand what they did. that was unacceptable and it can't happen again. And they uh, 99% of the time people apologize and they they do better and they don't feel like I hate them. They know I still love them. I care for them, but they can never do what they just did again thinking it's okay to do it. I like it. So what do you think parents can do better to help make your life and the teacher's lives better at home with their kids? Well, we spend a lot of time teaching kids how to behave in school. And, and that's our responsibility. We got to teach them how to, like a, if they were guests at my house, I got to teach them how to behave in my house. So I think that teachers and administrators should teach students how to behave. But it helps a lot more when, when parents are already teaching that at home. Like, uh, like my kids know, hey, when you go over somebody else's house, you better listen to that adult. Uh, don't go in there ever saying, 
my mama don't do this, my daddy don't do this. And of course I'm, I'm mimicking the kids who do this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> however, that, I mean, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a huge lecture coming from Willie or Mr. Wembry. Um, that's unnecessary. So the parents who are really good and teaching their kids, and when you go to school or when you go to the mall or when you go to the store, you better uh, be respectful to the people who are in charge. When they get pulled over by police officers, they're really respectful kids. Um, the ones who aren't are the ones whose parents did not know to train their kids or mm-hmm. just, just neglected to do it for one reason or another. The ones who do train them, man, we get to, when they come to school, we get to teach them math. Can you believe that? We get to teach them reading. We get to teach them spelling. We get to teach them science. We get to teach them social studies. The ones who don't, we have to teach them, this is how you talk to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is how you walk in my classroom. This is how this is how you respond when I correct you. We have to teach that a lot to some kids. This is how you keep your hands to yourselves. Yeah. Um, just things like that help a lot when parents teach those things at home. And I guess the main message those kids probably get is, when you go to school, you have no idea what those adults are going to have you doing. So you better pay attention and understand the procedures the first time they explain it to you. Mm-hmm. Some kind of way those kids come to school thinking that. I don't know how parents actually teach them that, but the ones who do, I'm very grateful for them. Yeah. Teaching their kids to be, um, I guess, be versatile to, who, to whoever's in charge, whatever roles they give them. Maybe some, I think some parents probably don't know. I wish there was a way we could Maybe teach the parents how to teach their kids to act in school. Maybe it starts in the home. This is how you act in the home. You take these lessons you learn in the home and you take that to school. Yeah. I just think that I just think the generation now is so their mindset is that their entitlement is an entitlement. Like they think entitled to everything. And that the parents are a lot younger now, so they're kind of like growing up with their kids and they want to be their friends versus their parents. And I think that part plays huge. And then as parents, we need to make sure that we're the right role model, don't do certain things in front of them, say certain things and stick to the rules that we say, you know, kind of go back to how we were raised, but maybe not as, um, I'm not going to say abusive or anything, but you know how we got like spankings and things like that. But it was definitely in love. And then some kids didn't get it out of love. They just, it was just abuse. So just like find a balance kind of thing. And I just think that you have to talk to them all the time. Like I always ask Bailey, what was her high of the day? And what was her low of the day? You know, whether we're mad at each other or not, because, you know, at that teenage, you know, you kind of go at it a lot, but we always ask that. So just like communicating a lot, like you have Mm -hmm. to have conversations a lot with these kids because they learn so much out there because stuff that Bailey tells me blow my mind that I wasn't even ready for her to learn yet. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm glad she tells me so I can redirect it and correct it or have answer any questions that she has. So, because they learn so much because that media, social media is just taking over their lives. Right. Yeah. Right. I was going to say a lot of the kids too, you know, they mimic what's at home. Right. So, if and dad is at home arguing or whatever, you know, if there's not mm-hmm. attention given to the kids, then they're bringing that, you know, aspect of home life into, um, into the school environment as well. Um, going back to what you're saying, yeah, definitely social media plays a huge part on that, you know, um, especially, you know, I was reading a research article the other day that talked about just the suicide rates have gone up since 2007 
Well, if you look at the trend, I mean, when did a lot of those kids start getting smartphones? You know, we started giving them, you know, and I tell my parents, when you give them this phone, you're pretty much giving them the whole world. Yeah. And so give them the world, you have to train them and teach them what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And it goes back to that home training. You know, a lot of parents, our society has created this whole atmosphere of we're not, we're not, we don't have the time anymore. Yeah. You know, parents are stretched thin. We either work in two jobs or by the time we get home, they're doing homework. Mm -hmm. So where's that home aspect of, Hey, we're, we're parenting now, you know? And so we can't just blame it on that, but we have to find the time to build that in. And so, like you said, you know, you're asking Bailey the highs and lows of her days. Not a lot of parents are doing that. Yeah. I'm praying for you get in the car or, you know, that's something right. we do every morning, pray before we get in the car, make sure we tell each other we love you before she gets out of the car. Or if we do have a fight, I might send her a text and say, like, I love you no matter what. You know, I know it's wasn't a good morning, but I love you and I'm your biggest fan. I'm your biggest critic, you know, kind of thing. So I just think mm-hmm. that conversation and we don't because they're too busy driving and talking on their phone and the kid mm-hmm. just sitting there in the seat uh, doing screenshots or whatever that stuff we're doing and not mm-hmm. connecting. And we have a, in our household, we do what we call code red. So we say code red, that means put phones up. Mm-hmm. And so, and just making them be able to have a conversation, articulate their words. When you're going out to eat, let them order their own food, not you. And they're looking to you that, you know, just make them be able right. to interact with adults and just have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Because I work with a lot of young people too now and it just blows my mind. Like, it's their life, their phones. I, I fuss all day long. Put the phones up. You're at work. If anybody needs you, they're going to call you at work. You do not need to check in. And they're, they don't even care because I bust them all the time because then they're on Snapchat or, you know, posting pictures. And I call them, like, mm-hmm. and then they're in the dressing room taking pictures. Are you serious? And I'm smart enough, you know? So, but yeah, it's just connecting. We as parents, we have to make sure we're connected. Because I've learned so much with these social media. Mm -hmm. I can't keep up with it. Right. I think it's a great tool at times. Mm -hmm. However, a lot Mm -hmm. of kids, it's a, it's detrimental to a lot of the, a lot of the younger age kids Mm -hmm. because, you know, they're still trying to figure Mm -hmm. out who they are. And then on top of that, they're, you know, everybody puts on their best face on social media. Exactly. And so they can't cipher between what's real and what's not. And so on a daily basis, I, my girls at school uh-huh. that I constantly, Hey, you know, you're beautiful. You're this, you're that. But one thing on social media can send their, their mood into uh-huh. a whole depressive episode, you know, or they're wanting to fight because uh-huh. such, such said this about them on Snapchat. And, and I mean, that's like 90% of my day, really? know, every day trying to figure out, who said this on Snapchat? Who's taking their boyfriend? Who's, you know, who's taking naked pictures in the bathroom? I mean, like, it's it's a, wow. it's a dating that we're going, you know, we're, and then on top of that, the parents don't know because we're not checking their social media. First of all, there's a privacy. It. Yeah, you can't, no. They don't need to have it. Unless, you know, until they're mature enough. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, when you take a lot of teens who are trying to find, identify with who they are, trying to find their social network, that doesn't giving them that tool is not helping them because yeah. they're comparing their bodies to other young ladies. Or yes. comparing, you know, what kind of cars does their family have? Or, mm. you know, 
this kind of thinking they're not enough or thinking that they don't have enough. And so that, I mean, I think that's kind of, you know, that's a big issue that we face too. And um, I hope and pray that more parents could be involved. Um, More parents could give that, you know, I I told uh, my group of parents the other day, they have to, their voice have to be louder than their their kids' um, friends' voices. Mm -hmm. You have to be the ones giving them the compliments. You're beautiful. You're handsome. You're smart. You know, all of these um, affirming words because their friends' voices are speaking louder. Exactly. And so those are tools that I I wish that parents would have, um, if anything, um, especially during these preteen, teenage, you know. Yeah, because that's major this age group, I mean, I, I wasn't prepared for it. was totally different with little Kevin and Bailey now. Raising little Kevin and then Bailey now is totally different. And Bailey is definitely a different child than little Kevin. She's very social and outgoing. And he was too, but she don't know what she wants and she doesn't care what someone says. Like you said, by pictures and how they have to put the best. She would take the ugliest pictures and put us in. And I'm like, why you put that picture on there? You might be running for president one day. Well, that's the real me. And I'm so glad that she's she's confident in who she is, but we made sure that she's right. like that here. So, but some of her friends, it's like they have to be dolled up 24-7 or they can't take a picture. Oh, let me look at it before you post it, you know, kind of thing. And so, but I don't know. And sometimes as parents, we need to sit and listen. Mm-hmm. Like when they have their girls and I'm driving them or you driving them somewhere, you listen to their conversation mm-hmm. and hear what they're talking about. You know, what you mm-hmm. learn a lot. And then that way, when they get out the car, you can have that conversation with them and like, okay, so mm-hmm. I heard they did blah, blah, blah. So what was your outtake on that? You know, what did you do? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. it was Bailey. What about the lesson she learned? Well, Bailey is an AP uh, human geography. So mm-hmm. her AP teacher sent out the, the quiz, but he also sent out the answers. So she's like, mom, uh, Mr. Clark sent out the test and he sent out the answers to the test. And so I said, so what do you think about that? She said, well, maybe he just being nice to, uh, to give us that, you know, cause we got a lot going on. We're getting ready for testing. And then I said, well, maybe not. Maybe he's trying to see who's going to be honest and see, see who has, who character is going to have that integrity about themselves. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, oh, no. I said, I don't feel comfortable with that, baby. I said, so what do you need to do? She's like, well, I'm going to email them. So she emailed them and said, Mr. Clark, I'm not for sure if you knew that you sent out the test and also the answers. And he says, yeah, I knew that. I, when I sent it out, I caught it. So today she got her test grade back and she had like a 92 plus she had like a bonus point. She's like, I know I got bonus points, but I didn't get that many bonus points. And uh, so the little boy Aiden said, thank you, Mr. Clark, for letting us, for giving us a 10-point curve or something. And he said, well, you need to thank Bailey for that. And they was like, Bailey? And she was like, what? What did I do? And she's like, oh, it's that she was out of all my students. She was the only one that came and told me that I gave the answers to that test. And I was like, and so she had to come to me. She's like, mom, I'm trying to do better and be better and just, you know, be godly like, and I have to just admit that you were right, you know, and you just want to make sure they're listening to you. Not that you always trying to, everything they want to do, you just counsel it out. I was like, no, I wouldn't do that because once you compromise your character, it's hard to get it back. 
you know, from your teachers. Your peers are definitely forgive you, but some of them. But your teachers, they're going to all identify and they're going to be shocked. Not Bailey, you know, and I said that's going to hurt a lot worse than a, a friend saying they don't like you anymore because of a boy than your teacher that had the utmost respect for you. Then you compromise yeah. your character for that. So I just thought that was a good like. I said, okay, I'm doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Has one you know that your your story you just told was very interesting to this young man right here. <laughs> <laughs> He's knocked out now. Oh, almost. All right. So how long have the love birds been married? So Since two thousand six. <laughs> Uh, what, <laughs> <laughs> so what's this year? 18, 19. 19. So six, that's six, 2006 to 2019. Who's that? I was an art so teacher. Sienna, Sienna is 11. Going on 12? Going on 12? Mm-hmm. 12. That's good. Got 13. Got 13. Is this 12 years? This will be now 13. 13 years. July 8th will be number 13. July 8th. Long time. Mm-hmm. I like it. Congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. You're doing better than a whole lot of other people, especially in our family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On both sides. Man. Mm-hmm. Well, we got you and Johnny. Do I finish right there? Who, who am I missing? Who am I missing? <laughs> uh, Lewis and... Uh, Lewis and Nora. That's it. You've had many. Yeah. In Farouk? No, I just, yeah, I just get it. Farouk and Alicia. Yeah. Mindy and whatever. Cavante. Uh, Cavante. Yeah, they got married this week, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> Yvette and uh, Roger. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's his name. Uh, he's just waiting. So we've heard part of this story from both sides. Let's hear it again. How did y'all meet? Where did it go first? No. <laughs> I'll tell the truth, okay? Oh, goodness. Well, my you hand on the you tell the story and we'll see the expressions on her face. Okay. Okay, so uh, it was, um, I'll tell a little bit more background to that, too. Uh, I was 30 years old. Uh, so in, in 2004, I turned 30. And... I've always been encouraged to write down my prayers. Mm-hmm. So I, on that day, I wrote down, God, please help me at least meet my wife this year. So you guys, Kevin knows kind of, is more aware of how I am. I, I'm kind of a, yeah. real, real shy. Uh, so when it came to girls, you know, shyness was there too. <laughs> um, so, I was 30 years old and I still never asked anybody to go on a date with me. The way I had girlfriends was we ended up being friends first. Like we just happened to be around each other a lot. And after I trusted her enough, I would say, Hey, you know, I'm attracted to you. And whatever words I would say. And of course she'd always say, I'm attracted to you too. Whoever it was, <laughs> because I knew, because I would not say anything until I knew that yeah, she has to be attracted to me now. It's been like, I've been knowing this girl for like five months and she keeps, yeah, I think she's attracted to me. <clears throat> so that's kind of how girlfriends happen. But um, I, I guess I ran out of friends like that. <laughs> 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 there was nobody who I was a friend with who I was attracted to. Right. Not anymore. 
So uh, I had to, to do something I never done before in my life. So I, I met a stranger who was attractive and I said, hey, can I have your number? And it, and it worked, man, like, like everybody else in the world. So I got a number, called her, went on a date with her a couple times, didn't really like her. And then another person at my job, same thing. I said, hey, you want to go out to a movie? Yeah, so it went. Um, that wasn't cool either. So Catherine called me. She didn't call me. What happened is Joyce called me from work, from her job. Uh, Catherine worked with her in the same hospital, different department. So I said, hey, Joyce, how you doing? And then the next voice I heard was Catherine's voice. She, it was like, it was literally like two little eight-year-olds on the phone. <laughs> I said, hi, 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 hi. Both of us didn't know what was going on. So they had handed the phone to Catherine right then on the spot. They had told her about me a lot. And I'm talking to somebody and we weren't really talking. We were just like, hi, who is this? And then eventually I took the phone back. I said, well, this is Catherine. You got to meet Catherine. You got to meet her. You got to meet her. <laughs> um, a little okay back up about two weeks before that i was up there at their job in, at the hospital and joyce's co-worker named monica said willie when y'all get married i said find me a wife she said i will i said no i want a wife who has this this i had a long list she said oh it's gonna be so hard i said well you <laughs> told me you want me to get married so find somebody mm-hmm. so two weeks later they called me with her on the phone mm-hmm. and i figured it out that's what they're trying to do so mm-hmm. they want me to meet her so Joyce gave me a picture of her, gave me her phone number, her email address, <laughs> and I never reached out to her. <laughs> the picture she had, even today when I look at that picture, it doesn't look like, like her. It doesn't look like who I know at all. Look like a, a tall, skinny woman who uh, would probably be able to, to look down at me if she's standing next to me. <laughs> I, thought she was a, I don't know, I thought she was a dog. She had long weave and I wasn't into weave. I'm like, oh gosh, she's superficial. Um, and then I thought they're trying to make me meet somebody who must be some corny square, don't do anything, shy, shyer than me, quieter than me woman. And I'm not like that. I, I like having fun. Uh, I'm, I'm crazy. I'll, I joke around. I, I, I don't, I'm only quiet when I'm around people who I just don't want to bother with, but not, not when I'm with friends or family. Uh, no, the Wimbry comes out. So I'm thinking, I don't want somebody who's going to not be able to hang with me when I start acting like that. So I thought she'd be like too, like real churchy, <laughs> uh, real nerdy, real quiet. Um, I couldn't picture, I couldn't imagine that my stepmom want me to have somebody who was alive. I thought, that just didn't match with the perspective she had of me. So I was totally not interested. Well, they called me again. Well, she called me again. And I was busy somewhere on a field trip, probably. I remember I was, I was a field trip one time at Six Flags. And I couldn't talk. And then another time she called me, I was driving the church van or something. Couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. And then she called me when I was out to eat one time. And that time, this has been a period of about four or five months. <gasps> and this... No, probably about seven months. Oh, but she she didn't she only called me like probably once every other month. It wasn't like every week or anything like that. <clears throat> so this time I said I remember it was it was November, uh, two thousand four, November twenty first on a Sunday evening. Today <laughs> <laughs> called me on Sunday afternoon. She called me, and I said, "You know what? Um, can I call you back?" And that's the first time I ever told her that. I said, I'm busy right now, but can I call you back? And I was thinking, 
you know, she had to be feeling, oh, yes, I finally broke through. I, I'm going to get to meet this guy. <laughs> I was wondering, what, what was she like about me? What, what, why was she wanting to meet me so badly? Uh, later on, she told me it was because they kept telling her, you call my son yet? You better call him. And there were pressure in her, and she felt like she had to obey the, they call her Mama Joyce at work. Everybody respect her. So she just went along with it because they were saying so. I thought she was some desperate, can't find a man <laughs> guy, and, and somebody's mom wants to hook her up. She's like, oh, yeah, this is my way of finally having a relationship. <laughs> so I thought, I thought when I met her, I was going to be able to let her know, hey, I'm not interested. Just mm-hmm. go through the most, meet her, see her as being not, not physically attracted to me because she's probably taller than me. That's just not attracted to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she'll see my personality. I see hers. And then I'll, I'll be honest with her. I'll say, hey, you know, this is not going to work. I probably wouldn't tell her why. I'll just say, you're just not my type. So I wanted to get that out of the way. So I met her. And I said, I'm going to be playing basketball outside in my neighborhood at the school by my neighborhood with some guys. She said, yeah, I'll meet you there. I'm like, oh, gosh, this, this girl, <laughs> either she is very desperate or she's a freak. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I don't want any one of those. Uh, so she shows up. It's kind of, It starts sprinkling by this time on the basketball court. Or it was either sprinkling or it's pouring down rain. I don't know which one. You I don't was sprinkling. <laughs> she, had a hood, she had a windbreaker hood on her head. So I couldn't really see her. Mm-hmm. She walked up to us and I said, hey, I'm Willie. Uh, she said, I know, or something like that. I said, hey, I'm, I talked to her for a I'm glad you're here. I'm going to finish this game. So we're playing 25 or 21 or something. So we were playing and we had another break. I went over and talked to her. So I'm sorry this is taking so long. None of us can play basketball. <laughs> Nobody can win. So uh, I said, I'm sorry it's taking so long. She said, it's all right. And she sat back down on the bench and the bench was wet. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and, and she looked cute. I couldn't really tell her body figure, but her face was real pretty. I'm like, and she was shorter than me, so that was a plus. Um, she's still shorter than me, if you want to know. Oh, sorry, I kind of lost the. There you go. Catherine Bach and the camera talking about where am I? <laughs> Your hands in the way, Catherine. Anyway, so. At the end of the game, we only were out there probably 15 minutes. And I told her, hey, we're going to go back to my house because it's not going to start raining for real. So uh, we got in the car. Uh, uh, did I ride with you? No, you followed us. Yeah. She followed. So three men go back to this single man's house, and this woman goes in our house with us. So I'm like, strike 15. I don't know how many strikes she had against her. I'm just ready to tell her, girl, you, you think I'm – I mean, I'm a real man. I'm, I'm from the hood, but I'm a little different. I'm very disciplined, very picky. I'm not sexually active. Um, I'm, I'm just, I mean, I don't, I don't party. I don't drink. Uh, I have fun everywhere I go. I don't have to have a moment of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was ready to break all that down to her. I thought she was coming over there because she don't care what we're about to do to her. Okay, so the two guys, we ordered some pizza, ate some pizza. We were talking everything. The two guys left, and she stayed. I'm like, oh, God, she, she's going to be so embarrassed when she tries this. Because I actually have had women do this before. So I'm thinking, oh, yeah, she's about to leave my house in a minute thinking I'm gay or something. So, sorry. So she, um, we started talking about some real stuff and just about life. And, and I was, at first, I literally thought, she had met my brother Johnny before. She knew my stepmother. She knew my stepbrother Corey. I said, they told her a lot of stuff about me. 
And she she is telling me everything that I like. And I'm like, she is crazy. And then she says more crazy stuff like she's from Africa. And I was like, well, you just talk like a white girl from California. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're not a black girl from Texas because we, I know them. And you're definitely not from Liberia because there's no accent at all. Mm-hmm. So she kept talking about stories. I'm like, that has <laughs> to be real. And then she talked about God and talked about her vision for things like having uh, ministries and counseling things for young ladies. I was like, wow, I've never met. I, I was 30 years old and I still hadn't met a woman my age who was that mature, like that mature in life, like ready to really give back to this world. And me hearing her story, where she come from and everything and, and where she is at that moment in her life. I'm like, wow, she, I thought my story was amazing. All the things I've overcome, but she's come a lot further through, uh, through struggles than I have. Um, and she was where she was at this point in her life. And then she took a jacket off, a windbreaker, <laughs> her, her, her windbreaker jacket. And I saw her figure, her, her little bitty waist, you know, I don't know what size cut. <laughs> bra whatever but she just set this figure her chest her, her arms were chiseled just right feminine not too masculine you know but not not jiggly uh it was like she she works out too uh i'm like wow so i wonder what the rest of her body look like <laughs> so the fleshly side of me started wondering about those things i'm like wow she's not only is she like spiritually compatible with me which is very rare for me to find somebody but she was educated and she was interested in in more education. She knows what it's like to live and be raised up in a, in a poor kind of lifestyle, struggling uh, family, just torn apart. Um, she knows what it's like to go through situations that's abusive. Um, and she's choosing to live a holy life focused on giving back to the world. I was like, dang, this, this is real. And the whole time I'm thinking, wow, God, I, I really have prayed and really wanted great things. I, I want a great wife. And I'm meeting this woman. Uh, this is too good to be true. So at the end of that evening, she, I don't know how long you stayed. It was pretty late. But then I, uh, I said, I'll call you tomorrow or something like that. So we talked every night that week. And we went on our first date that Friday. So we met on Sunday, November 21st. We went on our first date that Friday. We saw the movie Ray, Ray Charles with Jamie Foxx and we loved it. And then about four weeks later, we went through Thanksgiving break and then going into Christmas break. Uh, we had already been in a lot of places to go to the mall walking around. She already showed me what kind of ring she wants one day if somebody ever proposes to her. <laughs> and by the end, by the end of December that year, 2004, I knew I was going to marry her. Uh-huh. I was just figuring out a way to get my money together. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> get that ring she wanted because I never I don't buy jewelry I don't I don't wear jewelry either um so I, I didn't know jewelry cost that much um but I want to make sure she had it. and then talking about like one day I eventually said uh you probably even know what you want for your wedding how you want your wedding to look and literally it's like she pulled book <laughs> out of her back pocket and said here's my wedding plans right here and she knew everything like this is what I've always dreamed of doing and we weren't I didn't even propose or anything like that, but we were both dropping hints. And then um, that summertime, I proposed to her. She graduated from college that August, and 
we had a graduation party afterwards and I had invited everybody to come and I proposed to her in front of them. Aww. Aww. So uh, anyway, Catherine, how do we meet? <laughs> <laughs> it's accurate. Um, Joyce, most of it is accurate. Joyce, um, mm-hmm. Joyce, the main reason has been Joyce. Um, she would bug me every weekend. Joyce I came is my work. Um, I worked for like, those watching. <laughs> I worked two jobs in college. And so my second job was at the hospital. So I would work there on the weekends. So every weekend when I came in, she'd say, have you talked to my son yet? And I'd say, no. You know, she'd say, oh, he's just shy. He's shy. Just, you know, go ahead and call him. So I knew every weekend when I'd go in, she would have that question for me. So that's the main reason why he received a lot of calls because I didn't want to come in and so finally, once that last Sunday, I was like, okay, like he's not calling me back. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm going on with life or whatever. And she said, well, now just call him again. So I went to church. I attended the potter's house. I went to church, came back. She said, have you called him yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, I wasn't going to call him again. She said, well, just call him again, baby. He's, he's, he's really shy. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a problem. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, okay, surely you know that he doesn't really want, but Joyce just never, you know, she, she's like that till today. Um, so anyway, I ended up calling him that time and he did um, answer. I did go to their house, but I guess my view was different. I, in college, I mean, young, being young and in college, going over, like we hung out in each other's dorm rooms. It wasn't an issue, but now I see how your viewpoint is from, I guess, inner city. I wasn't raised inner city. Mm. So I guess that looked mm. really bad to you. Whereas on a college campus, we all kind of boys and girls, you know, we all kind of hung out together, went into each other's dorms. I just hung out. Mm. We did. <laughs> and I wasn't going and hanging out with, you know, with them. And I knew I could take y'all if I, you know, if I needed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I knew I was pretty safe. But no, um, I don't remember it raining. But for the most part, um, I think for I me... I told her, don't Almanac record that kind of stuff. <laughs> it was back, back. 21st, 2004, around, let's say, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. until about 5. And let's see if it's raining. Somebody, uh, somebody looked that up. No, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I guess for me, my prayer had been that year was that I didn't really want to date. I kind of gotten tired of the whole dating thing in college. I didn't really want to date anymore until I met, you know, the next guy that she I met dated me. would be somebody that I would invest the time in to, to you know, to possibly marry. Mm-hmm. And so when we met, um, we, we prayed about it, fasted about it. And it just, you know, it was, it was what we, we both needed to do to make sure that, you know, I think when you fast about something, it's not about God saying, oh, okay, this is the, you know, this is, oh, the light comes on and this is, you know, mm-hmm. but it was just more for me, for us to make sure that we were on the right path, that this is what, you know, we're putting God first and this is what we do when we're making a big decision in our lives. And so we've been on the, I mean, on that road since, since then. Yep. And then I think somewhere in there, I remember the prayer that I wrote. Mm-hmm. And I had to show her. I said, no, for real, Catherine, check mm-hmm. this out. I wrote this and it came true. So we started writing a lot more prayers after that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, write the vision, make it plain. Mm-hmm. That's probably my biggest testimony as far as me getting something that I wanted. 
and I put it in writing. And I was very specific about some things I wanted. And bam, all of it. That's a good one. So what do y'all do for fun? <laughs> well, we have three kids. All right. Uh, so, so now we do other things. Give them some uh, shout out. <laughs> we, um, well, we, here, here's something I, I, when I do marital counseling for people, because I'm a minister also. Um, so I've done several weddings in my life. I do premarital counseling. Then sometimes I have to meet with people afterwards. And I encourage them, um, what work, all I can do is tell them what's worked for us. Ever since we met each other, we dream together. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we got married. Before we got married, we were dreaming together about the wedding. Mm-hmm. She did the wedding, I did the honeymoon plan. So we did it really big. Um, and if it, if it wasn't big to other people, it was big to us because we were creating something together, mm-hmm. creating, um, manifesting, or man- manufacturing our dream what we wanted it to be. So right after that, probably nine, nine months married, we found out she got pregnant some kind of way. So <laughs> we're like, what are planning this? But we immediately started dreaming together about decorating the nursery, getting the room ready, and all those things that come with that. And then the house got too small after Sienna was born. So we had to find a bigger house. Mm-hmm. And we weren't ready for, to that yet either, but we knew we needed to. We wanted to get a house that we can keep forever. Um, so we got one that's pretty nice size and a really great community. But dreaming to get that done, we did that together. Um, then she, at, during that time, she also wanted to become a school teacher instead of a social worker. Uh, so I was with her. We were talking about it all the time, um, just sharing our dreams together. And of course, baby number two came Asher, and then baby number three came way later. But in the meantime, we did other things. Like we joined uh, World Ventures. We started building that together. Um, now we, last year, we finally bought this property. We, we wrote down a lot of things over the past 13 years. We've been together to make a list of things we want to have. Mm-hmm. And on there, you'll see three children. We see two at first, and you see a third one. And we eventually had them then, dogs, uh, <laughs> places we want to go. It's like bucket list items. Yeah, things we want to accomplish. <clears throat> and one of those is to buy, buy property, like two to four acres. Mm-hmm. So we bought three acres this time, this month, last year. And we're living there now. Uh, we're inside the house that's on this property. We've been fixing up this house and we're still not finished. So we're purposefully not showing you the walls in this house <laughs> in certain areas. And, um, because that, there's some work we got to do. But every day is like, what? What are we going to do? We have this excitement. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've never settled down. Like I hear a lot of people, um, like when they become empty nesters, they, they finally settle down and they, and they have fights and they get a divorce. Um, not a lot of people do that, but just I've heard that pattern a few times. I heard the same thing. Like people have kids when their kids are not babies anymore and they get like in high school or something, same thing. Some people have break up uh, because they stop. It's like what, what held them together and made them have an exciting life was they were working so hard to make things happen mm-hmm. that they didn't notice flaws in each other. They didn't have time to sit back and, and argue. Um, and that's kind of how, how I compare them. People tell me their problems. I immediately think like, why don't I have that problem? Because the problem they're hung up on, we, we have that problem. But what keeps us going? 
And all I could think of was, hey, we're dreaming together. Mm-hmm. We're building together. We're living together. We're making things. Well, we're so busy uh, giving to our kids or giving to our family or giving to our schools, giving to our church, our, our time and energy. Um, we don't have time to worry about the things that don't matter. Um, we're, we have our arguments, but it's like, we don't have the energy to keep argument going. We got like, I don't know how people do that. Like, I, if I keep fighting with her, I can't, it takes my, my focus off my vision. Right. I got to swallow my pride, apologize, and and keep going. So, and what do, all that to say, what do we do for fun? Man, we do, we do everything together. I mean, Yay. now, some people don't like that because we don't have our own friends. I don't have a guy friend. I don't go hang out with people. She doesn't go hang out with people either. Well, every once in a while, we'll go, somebody invite us somewhere and we'll go do stuff. But we don't have buddies. I have somebody walking over my house, coming in as my second man in my house. <laughs> um, some people can do that. I've just never been that type of person. I don't have buddies. I don't have best friends. My wife's my best friend. And there's no, there's literally no competition out there. Not my brothers, not my sister, not my parents. Uh, Catherine's number one. And she has no doubt about that. That's how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, now it's time for Know Your Spouse. Oh, goodness. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, scary. So, Willie, what is Catherine's favorite color? <laughs> I don't know, but at wedding, she wanted, was it salmon or pink peaches color for our wedding. Mm-hmm. She don't talk about colors after that. <laughs> Probably me. Whatever color I am. <laughs> what color are you? Beige. <laughs> Depends on what time of year it is. <laughs> <laughs> How about her favorite song? Favorite song? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, either something we need to bind them sings or, or uh, wait, Tina Turner. <laughs> that right, Catherine? Yeah, I love Tina Turner. Oh, okay. What about her favorite movie? Whatever I'm watching at that time. Whatever. No. <laughs> she likes the uh, movie I only hear her talk about a lot is uh, Mary Poppins. <laughs> what? <laughs> Mary Poppins. <laughs> That's a classic. Maybe it's not Mary Poppins. She did that. That's a classic, though. Nanny McPhee. (laughs) Oh, Nanny Nanny McPhee. Oh, oh, now she likes the notebook. I'll tell you what I like. I like the notebook. More than me. I'm not going to say it. He likes notebook more than me. Okay, think about this. Think about this next one. Willie, if you could change one thing about Catherine, what would it be? Her uh her her unweavableness. <laughs> uh, I don't like weed. I didn't know she wore like wigs. I don't like weave, I don't like wigs. Um, I never knew she wore one, so I say she's doing a good job. That must be a good one. Yeah. Hmm. I want me some weed. I'm giving me some. You like weed? I like whatever you now, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like I'm gonna get you put me some in. Yeah, I like Michelle's short short hair look right there. Come on with me. Looking like <laughs> your nickname might be Barbara. <laughs> oh, that's an old name. Right. That's 1950. Barbara anymore. Oh, nobody named Barbara. Okay. Yeah. Hey, wait, that's people my, my age are Barbara. What? Right. We're not so talking about kid names. Hella old, honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm last question. 17. Last question. Either Catherine. Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> if y'all could do it all over again, what would y'all change? about the marriage? What would we change about the marriage if we could do it all over again? Um, hmm. I don't know that I'd change anything. Um, maybe, I don't know. Oh, maybe watching out watching out for how much debt we accumulated. Yeah. Like that would be the one of the only things. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. So, you agree with that, yeah. Willie? Yeah, I watched the debt. <laughs> so she, she's not talking about both of us. <laughs> <laughs> I see. You know, like, you know, some people hear, hear God's voice. She hears mine <laughs> saying, hey, that should we get that? Do we need to get that? Do we really need that? Do you know how much we're spending? Mm-hmm. I don't get that. I just get the phone call. <laughs> You're showing something. Oh, duh. Like, you got a ding on yeah, me? Yeah, we're, we're working on that one. Like, when on Christmas one. comes, I'm like, I've always been really pretty cheap i don't really need i don't, I don't have a need for uh, material things uh compared to a lot of my peers who i grew up around so i'm satisfied and happy with i can make use of a lot of things that and enjoy life um i really don't care what other people's opinion is like so i don't i don't buy shoes and clothing for people to compliment me um i do like the compliments i do like being in spotlight i don't I mean, that's all fun to me, but I don't, I don't like going into debt to, to do that. So I've, I never have had like really expensive cars until, you know, Rob Ventures is paying for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> never, that was not important. I spent a lot of money on certain things that I think is worth it, but image is not worth it to me. Um, so when it comes time for celebrations, birthdays, Christmas, and spend a lot of money for gifts. If I don't have the cash money to get it, I don't feel any, any, like, um, I don't feel guilty at all for not buying people gifts. <laughs> I'll show up to a birthday party and I'll say, hey. Happy birthday. Yeah, I'm like, I just don't care. Uh, I'll bring some ice. I'll bring some food. (laughs) I'm also not really good at thinking like, what should I get people for their gifts? I've done that before, like buy things for people. And this got old. I'm thinking, I don't know what they want. Even if they tell me what they want, 
I still don't know what they want because I'm honest, sincerely not interested in what they want. It's just not a, it's not an interest for me. I'm more into looking at people and thinking about what do they need. Um, and usually that comes out in the time I spend with people, the energy I put into people, the patience I have in working with people. I, I give a whole lot of that, so I don't feel guilty about not having the money to buy them things. Now people ask me for things. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. I, that then I know exactly what they want. Then when they ask me for it, but surprising people with things, I've I've learned that I'm not really good in it. Even with my wife, and buy her things. Hey, surprise! And she's like, oh, uh, you, do you have the receipt? <laughs> <laughs> but you have to know your uh, love language. And yes, you know, is it is it gifts? Mm -hmm. more affirmations mine is gifts and you know i love mm -hmm. to do all of those things like surprises and things like that. yeah yeah i'm also not moved by gifts either people buy me gifts um if it's something i don't want i immediately start thinking how can i re-gift this <laughs> who, who, who really wants this um oh my so, god like if, if people buy me gifts i'm like buy me clothes buy me socks buy me under oh please <laughs> Bobby underwear and, and undershirts. That that those were. Uh, I mean, I just don't. Your grandparents. <laughs> yeah, right. see, my grandparents. But, um, I don't want anybody buying me shoes to wear. She does. But I don't want anybody buying me shoes to wear because it's probably not gonna be something I want to wear. Uh, or now I'm old, so I, I can't just wear any kind of shoes. It um, <laughs> hurt after a while. I'm on my feet a lot so, yeah, when it comes to going into debt to to buy things for people, mm -hmm. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I, I'm going to debt for me because I'm gonna make. I'm I'm not gonna buy something that to show off. I'm gonna buy something that I I need right now in the long run. I know it's gonna pay off. But I, I don't do I don't do birthday Christmas gifts and things like that. Uh, I might get my money on a birthday, uh, a gift card or something. But I'm not really good in. Like I said, and shopping for people. Okay. Um, she is. She's real good at it. She. I can prove it to you. That's <laughs> <laughs> debt. I can show you. I'm sure you can. I got one. Hey, why are you guys looking like you're frozen? <laughs> <laughs> Look at that lip art movie. <laughs> when shop. You say uh, you can prove it too. Are, are, are we still moving? <laughs> you guys are. You're on a still frame. We are? <laughs> you guys frozen? I don't know. We frozen? I didn't take a picture of y'all. See y'all in Oh, no. What now? Kevin, Kevin, looked like, <laughs> Kevin looked like he's uh, sneaking one out. <laughs> he probably is. Michelle looked like she knows. I know what you're doing, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to call you Betty Jean right now, Michelle. Oh, there you go. You guys are back. All right. <laughs> Welcome back. Yeah. Okay. Well. Any more questions you want me to? I think that's it. You did 40 minutes? That's it. That's all our time. So I want to thank Willie. I want to thank Catherine for joining us today. Much success and <laughs> blessings to y'all. Appreciate y'all. And I'm proud of you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Awesome. And let legend says he he enjoyed all of it too. <laughs>